In Focus is brought to you in association with the Government of Japan. Japan sharing tomorrow. Hello and welcome to a brand new series of In Focus, the program that examines Japan and its role as a global leader in improving cities and societies. On this series, we're taking a look at the groundbreaking ideas coming out of Japan within the realms of technology, fashion, environmentalism, and energy, all helping to fix global challenges. From innovative techniques for water and air purification in developing countries to Japan's efforts to clean up its oceans, we'll be meeting all sorts of unique thinkers, scientists, designers, and inventors who have the potential to change the way that Japan and the rest of the world work towards a bright future. In this episode, we're taking a look at environmental concerns around the global fashion industry and how some Japanese brands are making it their mission to slow down fast fashion's impact on the earth by coming up with solutions to making clothes that last with a smaller carbon footprint. Sustainability has become high on the agendas of plenty of big fashion houses, as consumers are becoming increasingly aware of what they're buying, how long it will last, and how it was made. Japan has an interesting history with zero waste methods of producing clothes, and the country's artisanal traditions are propelling some young brands to think more about eco friendly ways of manufacturing, ensuring that this isn't just a trend, but a revolution. Part of this revolution is taking place in the town of Kiryu, about 100 kilometers northwest of Tokyo. This place is famous for its traditional kimono weaving industry, and the kimono is a fantastic role model for any aspiring sustainable fashion designer. The kimono is, I mean, obviously, is a, is a traditional piece of clothing in Japan. Along with the sari in India, these are two very early examples of what we now call zero waste design, zero waste pattern cutting, because they use all of the material, nothing goes to waste. Alice Wilby is a sustainable fashion consultant and teaches a short course in it at Central St. Martin's College in London. We're talking about techniques that have been around for a very long period of time. They have just become unfashionable because we have created newer, faster means of production and manufacturing that make these traditional styles obsolete. But now, we're, now again, what we're finding, because we have this drive towards sustainability and very crucially, the drive towards preserving our precious resources, um, whether that is cloth or whether that is water or cotton or topsoil so we're seeing this return to these traditional techniques but yes you know the kimono um, the kimono is a pioneering piece of zero waste design but also you know we're seeing in in japan at the moment we're seeing this real celebration of zero waste culture it seems apt then that designers and craftspeople in kiryu are thinking conscientiously about their approach to fashion. Ripple Yohinton is a small label that was started 15 years ago by a local couple called Kumiko and Haruhito Iwano. Our shop is on the outskirts of the beautiful town, at the bottom of the mountain and with a beautiful, beautiful view. And the shop is on the roof of our atelier. 
Everything's handmade by skillful sewers within a three-kilometre radius of their shop. Kumiko is the designer, and Haruhito hand-dyes the garments with natural products. Each of their garments is one of a kind, and they're harnessing that kimono way of clothes-making too. We try to create a garment from one piece of cloth and try not to waste any fabric. Anything left over, we piece together into something new. Their way of making and selling is carefully thought through to maximise time for production among their team. Every month from the 1st to the 7th, we host an atelier shop with lots of appointments with our customers. And then, during the rest of the month, the seamstresses and I can all focus on production. And each month we probably make and deliver around three to 500 items of clothing. We sell by listening to the customers' requests, and in that way, there is no waste, so we feel that everyone benefits. Over their 15 years, they've grown their customer base, and they've shown in Hong Kong, Vancouver, New York and Paris. When we started displaying clothes made in Japan overseas, People were impressed by the material, the cut, the colours, and many reiterated the fact that things produced in Japan are truly beautiful. We started realising the importance of Japan's expertise. Even abroad, they recognised the importance of craft from such a small town. This impact on the rest of the world is down to Ripple's team of expert sewers, a local tradition that the company is trying to preserve. Well, our seamstresses have always been sewing clothes, and these talented people would lose jobs if we sourced production from overseas. I do hope to promote the idea that it's not about cutting costs, but about paying good money for skilled labour. As we just found out, one of Ripple's practices is natural hand dyeing, as well as using leftover scraps to make something new, which are both traditional Japanese techniques, as Alice Wilby tells us. One of the traditional techniques that Japan has really become famous for and really nurtured is, is, is indigo dyeing. And indigo is a natural dye, but the original indigo dye came from India, it was imported to Japan, they have, 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 have really grown their own industry with indigo dyeing. And indigo as a plant, it has these very natural antibacterial properties. It's also incredibly dirt resistant when you use it as a dye. And really fascinatingly, it's also flame retardant. I mean, indigo clothing and indigo dyed clothing was used by the Japanese firefighters for years because it was so flame retardant and so hard wearing. Japanese dyed clothing was also worn by uh, samurai underneath their armour because it was antibacterial so if they were cut it would you know it would it was it was a really kind of healthy thing to be wearing we see this sort of uptake and wearing of indigo dyed cotton as workwear and then when it breaks down um, and it comes to the end of its life again through necessity we see this wonderful creation of this and this use of this kind of borrow technique which is a uh, a kind of patchworking and stitching of old pieces of 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 beautiful ragged sort of indigo um material all kind of patchwork together to create these really kind of like hard-working pieces of, of of clothing which ironically fast forward now I think borrow means loosely translates as kind of rags or tatters and now globally on the sustainable fashion space 
borrow mending this technique and this beautiful patchwork that you get with these indigo pieces of fabric is really kind of I mean, it's become sought after. The, the, you know, the complete reverse has happened and this, this material that was a sort of peasant material made out of necessity has become a collector's item and has inspired, you know, countless imitations um, from luxury design houses on the catwalk and is now being used as an inspirational method for making and mending our clothing in sustainable fashion circles. So we see this wonderful 360 from this original sort of Japanese technique that was born out of necessity, which I, I really love. It's really fascinating. Back in Kiryu, we meet another fashion brand that also values craft and local resources. The company is called Fukulu and is run by Hiroshi Kijima. It's an on-demand clothing line for women that was started in 2015. Kijima has a background working for big brands like Comme des Garçons, as well as coming from a family that runs a sewing factory, or as it's known in Japan, a Hose Kojo. As I'm the son of a Hose Kojo, hearing that clothes are being made and then being thrown out or burned without ever being worn almost makes me cry. This is happening all over the world. Fukulu uses technology to save money on certain parts of the production line in order to spend more on manual craft. Customers select what they would like, a blouse or a skirt, maybe a dress, what material and what size they are, and then it's created, rather than trying to sell excessive amounts of pre-existing stock. This means that they can cater for both small and large orders. Kijima's keeping his carbon footprint low by collaborating with 60 small local factories. If we could, we would spread our way of doing things so that people who want clothes can get in contact with their closest designer and fabric provider and then it would be created close by. That would reduce the distance between the buyer and supplier, which would therefore lead to a lower carbon footprint. If we did this in Japan, we believe it could happen anywhere else in the world. I think that Japan's mentality of not wanting to waste anything can be spread overseas. There's a Japanese ideology that things have meaning, that they're embedded with a higher force. And recently, the world has recognized this in Japanese culture. We're trying to think of how to convey the idea that we need to take care of our things to the future. Across Japan, there are all sorts of systems in place to create a cleaner, greener country. And not just in the fashion industry. Alice Wilby highlights another Japanese project that could be replicated in other parts of the world. We have a huge problem with waste, and I think it's sort of staggering statistics from the Ellen MacArthur Foundation that one garbage truck full of clothing is dumped in landfill every second or incinerated. It's just absolutely staggering, and we've got you know, there, there is no, when we talk about landfill, I mean, we're literally stuffing waste under the ground. This is not a sustainable solution. But in Japan as well, they are, you know, they have this burgeoning kind of zero waste culture and they are, they've been introducing lots of laws 
on recycling. They also have this fantastic zero waste center and it's, you know, obviously beautiful kind of stunning Japanese piece of design um, in a place called Kamikatsu. And this city embarked on this really kind of like rigorous zero waste program in 2003. And they um, have got all of the local residents. I mean, it's a small, it's, you know, it's a small city. But this template that they are working to, they've got 45 different categories of recycling. And the local residents bring all the recycling is brought to this place and it is all separated out and then it is it is um, recycled. But it is one of the best systems that I've seen globally for kind of like tackling waste and advancing to a, a zero zero waste solutions. We're seeing countries roll start to roll out templates that we could really look to adopt worldwide to deal with our massive waste problems. As countries across the globe are looking for solutions to waste problems, it seems that there's a lot to be learned from Japan's past and its present. That brings us to the end of today's episode of In Focus. Join us next time when we'll be taking a look at Japan's oceans and how the country is trying to clean them up. This programme was produced by me, Holly Fisher, and thanks to Fiona Wilson and Jun Toyofuku in our Tokyo Bureau for their research and interviews. In Focus is a Monocle 24 production brought to you in association with the Government of Japan. 